You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz, we live. We live. The Charlotte Hornets are as ready for 2020 as really anyone could be because they have ended 2019 on a six-game losing streak, dropping their latest to the Boston Celtics yesterday afternoon. I'm Doug Branson, and this is Locked On Hornets, presented by the Locked On Podcast Network, your team, everyday local experts on the number one daily sports podcast network. Make sure to check out Locked On NBA, our national show, five days a week. Also, we've added... Hollinger and Duncan to the mix and rejecting the screen with Noah Kozlov and Adam Stanko. Make sure you add those for the full NBA picture brought to you by the Locked On Podcast Network. No Walker mail today. He gets the very first day of 2020 off, but I'm here with you to discuss the latest in a series of losses for the Charlotte Hornets. This one coming at home and at the hands of a very familiar face in Kemba Walker and a familiar and overwhelming foe in the Boston Celtics. I'll have a full recap of that game coming up. Plus, I've got a litany of statistics to try to dig into and figure out what is going on with this Charlotte Hornets basketball team. They were winning games. They were winning some games that they were not supposed to win. They've gotten surprising player development from players that weren't supposed to develop this quickly. And now all of a sudden, That has gone away, and there are questions to be answered uh, from the players, but also from this coaching staff trying to figure out how do we get this thing back on the rails and avoid what I called yesterday an apocalyptic January and February heading into the All-Star break. Because they don't want that. I mean, you don't want morale to drop to a certain point where you you cannot possibly recover it, and it starts to stunt player development. I mean, that's what they are trying to avoid at this point. You have to get this team playing good, win or lose, you have to get this team playing good basketball. So I want to get to that, get to some of those statistics. But first, let's talk about this Celtics game. I actually want to go back to the uh, game against Memphis, an embarrassing loss, one that James Borrego called unprofessional. Well, Borrego offered some additional comments on that game in Memphis pregame before The Hornets tipped it off against the Boston Celtics. When asked what went wrong against Memphis, James Borrego said, quote, I think we had our own agenda, maybe, in Memphis. Guys were coming off looking for themselves, which hasn't been the case this season. We've been a group that's really moved the ball, shared the ball, and maybe that was happening a little bit in Memphis. I think we've addressed it. We've talked about it. Our guys understand to be the best team we can be, especially offensively. We've got to move the ball and share the ball. And that certainly has been the case this season. I mean, for, for all of the faults of this team, they have been a team that has moved the ball, shared the ball. You've seen consistently, game after game, you don't have the same kind of deal like last season where Kimball Walker was dominating the offense. You've seen scoring being spread out between three, four, sometimes even five players scoring in the you know 15 to 16 point range. So the offense has been balanced and, and that's a product of the fact that they don't really have an overwhelming scoring threat. As good as Devontae Graham has been shooting the basketball, at least he was until lately, uh, they, ha- they don't have that overwhelming, you know, th- they call them like th- three-level players, somebody that can score inside mid-range 
and also outside. They don't have that guy, and so they've had to move the ball. It's resulted in a lot of turnovers. I mean, these turnovers are a product of carelessness, but they're also a product of the fact that this team, more so than, than others, have to rely on ball movement in order to get clean looks. And so Borrego here saying against Memphis, that got, that, that you, you didn't have that. You had guys looking for themselves. And I dug into the statistics and I saw that Devontae Graham took 18 shots. Malik Monk took 18 shots as well. Both of those game leading. But Graham had 73 passes for 10 assists. Monk had 19 passes for zero assists. So a pretty stark difference there. Graham, his shot's not falling, but he's looking for others. He's trying to get other players involved. He has this like this uh, points assist double double streak. But Malik Monk, on the other hand, I think he may have been one of the players that Borrego was talking about there. You can't lose yourself. You can't lose the team identity, even in this period where you are mired in losses. You have to remember that there are things that are going to make your team successful. Again, you might win the game, you might lose the game, but there are things that are going to make this particular team successful, and it's not. 18 shots, 19 passes, zero assists. Especially if you're Malik Monk and you're struggling like you are from the three-point line. That's not going to lead to successful basketball. So you saw in this game against Boston, they did address it. I mean, in the first half, the Hornets were moving the basketball. They were finding others. They were trying to play inside out. But honestly, when you look at this game, there are fundamental realities that would probably prevent this Hornets basketball team from beating the Celtics on most nights. And those fundamental realities are Kimball Walker, Jason Tatum, Gordon Hayward. They were without Jalen Brown, who's been playing fantastically. So the Hornets do get a reprieve there. But then you insert Gordon Hayward, and that's, you know, it causes all kinds of size mismatches and issues that this team is going to have. So fundamentally, the Celtics can overwhelm you with talent. Okay, we know that. But I thought this the Hornets team had a chance to sneak up on the Celtics and maybe grab one before the end of the year. It was a weird tip time. Celtics are on the road. It's in the middle of the afternoon. So everybody's kind of out of their groove. The Hornets traditionally have not played well in these types of games. But this is a pretty different Hornets team, right? So, I mean, we can, we can kind of give up that idea at least – until this particular team proves otherwise. So I thought the Hornets actually may have had a shot to sneak up on the Celtics and get this one. And going into the fourth quarter, they were only down six points. 80 to 74 was your score heading into the fourth quarter. And I thought the decision to match up small with the Celtics at the beginning of the fourth quarter led to a sure defeat. Let's go take a look at the lineups from the beginning of the fourth quarter, okay? Borrego runs out, Terry Rozier, Malik Monk, or your backcourt's already pretty small. Then you got Bacon at three, PJ at four, and Marvin at five. It's one of your smaller lineups that you can put on the floor, unless you were to sub, you know, Graham and Monk. That's about it. That's, a, that's as small as you can get with this Hornets lineup. The Celtics, on the other hand, have Wanamaker, who's a good shooter, Jason Tatum, Gordon Hayward. So you get two of your, you get one of your big time starters and then Hayward. Ojale and then Cantor underneath. Cantor, an excellent offensive rebounder already, and now you match him up with Marvin Williams and P.J. Washington. 
So the Hornets are only down six heading into the fourth quarter. Here's what Cantor and Hayward did before Borrego subbed in Zeller and Martin at the 10:25 mark, which is you know very early in the fourth quarter. He makes this sub. It's too late at that point. But here's what Cantor and Hayward do: block, offensive rebound. Uh, Hayward makes a fadeaway jumper, offensive rebound. Cantor makes a layup, offensive rebound. Cantor makes a tip putback shot. Now all of a sudden, timeout Hornets. They're down 11 and there's no shot to come back into this game. So I think there's a scenario where, again, there were some fundamental realities that, that were going to play against the Charlotte Hornets in this game. And, and they struggled really offensively. In the first quarter, they only put up 18 points. In the fourth quarter, they only put 19 points. But you match Boston 30-30 in the third quarter, and you got some offense going, and you felt like maybe this team could hang around there and make something happen. And then I feel like they really dropped the ball. I think you had to put Zeller in there against Cantor. Match that up. Figure that out. Give your, give your team a shot to get off the schneid. Final stats from this one. Miles Bridges, 14 points, 10 rebounds, 4 assists, 2 turnovers, double-double, 5 of 9 from the field. He did hit his only 3-point shot. Certainly a better game. Uh, but there were a few instances where Miles Bridges driving inside against Marcus Smart. And, and he, couldn't, he couldn't put his head down and get to the basket. I mean, he's letting Marcus Smart stop his drive. And I, I just, I, I, again, I'm not quite sure what Miles Bridges is going to do very well offensively. And if his three-point shot's not going down or he's not going to put himself in a position to make those three-point shots, then I, I'm just, I, I don't really understand what his role is necessarily. P.J. Washington, 15 points, five rebounds, three assists, but five turnovers, a little sloppy with the basketball, did hit three of his five three-point attempts. Devontae Graham's shooting struggles continue, three of 12 from the field. Terry Rozier's shooting struggles continue, four of 13 from the field. The guards just aren't knocking down shots. I think it's pretty amazing that this team was only down six going into the fourth quarter with how difficult it's been to generate offense from the guard position. But you had good, efficient play from Biombo. You had good, efficient play from Zeller. That's been a constant all season. And then Dwayne Bacon, I mean, is, is sort of the interesting story from this. No Nick Batum in this one. DN, another DNP coach's decision. He decides to put Bacon in there. Wanted to get Bacon going downhill, getting to the rim. He was 4 of 8 from the field. Drops in 11 points off the bench. Impressive that he can, that he can come in and just do that, you know, turn it on like that. It's really been when he's been in the rotation consistently getting good offense and something else. Sometimes you get neither with Dwayne Bacon, and that's why he worked himself out of the rotation in the first place. But the Hornets lose this one 109-92. They drop their sixth straight game, ending 2019 on a little bit of a sour note, but they've got plenty of games coming up in January. The schedule does get tougher, but hopefully they can figure some stuff out. I've got some stats coming up that I want to share with you to just illustrate what's been going. Like I'm sure you, you look at this team and you go, wait a minute. We were talking about Devontae Graham for All-Star, most improved player. We were getting huge contributions from P.J. Washington. Terry Rozier avoided sort of a nightmare scenario where you give him a lot of money and he comes in and makes your team worse. Like There were things that were happening with the Charlotte Hornets team that gave you hope. And now all of a sudden, what has happened? That's coming up. 
Stick with us. Locked on Hornets on the Locked On Podcast Network. This is Locked On Hornets. And the Google description here says on contracts made before June, where the wheat is deliverable in December, either wheat of the grades named or numbered <laughs> B shares Batik of New York N dot B dot A dot. So take that for what you will. That's a lot of information I just threw at you. I apologize. What was the grade? The Yeah, the wheat was graded uh, C minus. Let's get them on. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. The last six games for the Charlotte Hornets have been a mix in terms of opponents, right? You had, you've had some some big time opponents in like the Boston Celtics. They've they've dropped games to good teams where you expect them to drop those games, but then they've also had tough losses. I mean, you know, you look at that Memphis game, and that's definitely one they should have at least been competitive in. So let's dig into the stats a little bit and talk about what's been going on. Interesting enough, this this team, I think generally you regard them as a team that is turnover prone. Uh, they they just have a lot of young players and young teams. You know, you saw the Lakers go through this before they acquired some talent. So they were just you're turning the basketball all over the place. Atlanta turns the ball all over the place. So this happens with young teams. But in the past six games, all losses for the Charlotte Hornets, they're actually fourth in turnovers and in, in the least turnovers. Sixth in assist to turnover ratio. So you take away that Memphis game, they've actually still been moving the basketball pretty well and limiting the turnovers. So you look at those two things, you go, wait a minute. I mean, shouldn't they be better offensively because of that, right? And yet you look at, again, over the last six games, the Hornets 26th in offensive rating, 25th in defensive rating. So what's going on here? Well, you dig a little bit deeper and you see they are eighth in their percentage of three-point attempts versus two-point attempts. So eighth in the league in how many three-point attempts they take versus how many two-point attempts they take. So they're taking a ton of three-point shots. This is a team that, by definition, lives by the three and dies by the three. And right now, they are dying. 25th in three-point percentage. And I think they're getting good looks. Certainly, defenses are adjusting to Devontae Graham. They're putting more pressure on Devontae Graham, especially in the high pick and roll. And they're chasing him off screens. They're not, you know, they, they recognize the threat now that Devontae Graham possesses. And to Graham's credit, he's moving the basketball away from He's still trying to take shots, stay aggressive. You don't want to see his shot attempts really, you don't want to see those reduce. You talk to any, you know, shooting expert and they'll tell you, you know, that that's the sign of true trouble when a shooter who's going through it stops taking shots. I said, you don't want to see a, a Nick Batum type of offensive wilting. So it's good that he's still taking them, uh, but the Charlotte Hornets have to give the defenses some other kind of threat. That's where really Rozier should be stepping in. And Rozier is, is struggling as well. So you have this sort of perfect storm where both guards are struggling to shoot the basketball and and you can't get any of the only kind of offense that you can really provide right now because you know, interior-wise, Zeller and Biombo have been efficient, but it's all been put back some kind of simple pick and roll action where they're being a little bit more aggressive on the guard, opening up things for Zeller and Biombo, but it you know, neither of those players are are guys you can throw the basketball to and depend on for a bucket. You know, they're getting offense by 
virtue of the guards developing that for them. The Hornets also are struggling on the boards, and I don't know if that's going to change. They're 29th in rebounding. They're last in opponent offensive rebounding position, offensive rebounding percentage. So they're allowing a ton of ton of offensive rebounds, ton of second chance points, and that's just bad news for a team that already struggles defensively. They're already going – I mean, every game they enter, they're going to have a size issue. You've seen it all season. They, they've thrown out these junk defenses going to – you know, zone, and then uh, later in the shot clock, doing kind of a matchup, uh, uh, matchup zone. I mean, you've seen them throw every. They're throwing the kitchen sink de- defense approach because they cannot defend you traditionally. That's what happens when you can't defend someone traditionally. You have to admit that to yourself and figure out some creative ways to stop the basketball. And that's what the Hornets are doing. And the problem is sometimes those zones allow offensive rebounds to happen. And then you're just generally not a physical team. And if you're, if you're not a physically gifted team, then you have to exert additional effort. This, was, this has been an issue for years with the Charlotte Hornets. This is something that Steve Clifford would talk about. You know, if you build a team, if you build a team around skill and you don't build it around athleticism, it requires of your players an extra effort to a a, a special attention to detail, body on a body, every possession to prevent yourself from getting beat on the boards. And this team right now does not have that. And so would this team, as it's currently constructed, be able to be top 10 in rebounding? Probably not. But if you got the team to, I don't know, 17th in rebounding, would you see more wins? I think so. You're certainly not going to win basketball games being 29th in rebounding and last in opponent's offensive rebound percentage. Those are just easy points you can't give up. Okay, stick around. I've got more statistics this time from cleaning the glass. I want to dig into a few players, see what's going on in this six-game stretch, see what we can figure out. This is it's all we're, we're clue finding now. We're trying to figure out what's what's going on with this team and see. Uh, what 2020 can bring, Uh, see if the schedule can ease up a little bit, see if the Charlotte Hornets can figure out a way to derive some offense and get Devontae Graham out of this slump. My goodness. It hasn't been fun to watch, but it's fun to talk about because I think this is, you know, honestly, this is a more interesting team. I think there are a lot more wrinkles to this team than there were last year and a lot more promise in this team. I, I, I think it's interesting. I think Kimball Walker said something to the effect of, Devontae Graham's current shooting struggle struggles are actually a sign that defenses understand that Devontae Graham is going to be something. You know? If 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 the NBA doesn't think, if if the NBA thinks you're just lucky, if they think you're just getting some shots up, they're going down, and then but it'll go away, they won't necessarily adjust to you. They're going to let that happen naturally. You know, they're going to let, you know. Nature take its course. But the NBA has decided now nature is not going to take its course when it comes to Devontae Graham. Instead, you're seeing predators enter the marketplace trying to take out Devontae Graham. And now Devontae, his challenge, and it's one that you would like to see kind of resolve itself somewhat before the end of the season. It won't resolve itself fully. These are things that I, I feel like have to get figured out in off-seasons. 
when you really can dig in and improve on something, like Devontae Graham did between his rookie season and his second season with his shooting. But you'd like to see, to some extent, it resolve itself before the end of the season. How can he score? How can he be an efficient scorer when teams are taking away his three-point shot? He can be an effective playmaker. We've at least figured that out, and that's a positive. But how can he be an efficient scorer? That's a question that he has to answer by the end of the season. We're coming back for one more segment, cleaning the glass statistics. These are some interesting ones, people. You're listening to the Locked On Hornets podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is Locked On Hornets. I'm not a big fan of grape jelly. I kind of, I'm a little insulted that you referred to me as grape jelly. I'm not a fan of grape anything. Now, I like grapes, but I don't like grape flavoring. I think it goes back to the Robitussin that I had as a kid. And I just don't like grape flavoring. Anyway, great to yeah, be back. Great to be back on the show. It's time for more of the Locked On Hornets podcast. I talked about Devontae Graham to close the last segment. We'll open up with him. His points per shot attempt, they've fallen way back to earth. I mean, he was up, you know, his usage, highest on the team right now. He's got the ball in his hands more than any other Charlotte Hornet at this point, which is, again, completely surprising if you. We're following this team from the very beginning. This was supposed to be Terry Rozier's team. It suddenly turned into Devontae Graham's team. But his points per shot attempt were also very high. It's why we were talking about him for most improved player. It's why we were even whispering about an all-star bid. Is that still a possibility? I don't think so. Because I think he, w- I think he might have had a sliver of hope had he maintained that's kind of production and that kind of efficiency that was turning heads and putting him on highlight reels had, but I think the Hornets would be better. I I think they would have won a few more games that, you know, would a Devontae Graham all-star bid have also come with Hornets wins that were going to devalue their ultimate pick coming up this next season? Maybe. So maybe this is kind of the best case scenario where you get a glimmer of hope for Devontae Graham the adjustment comes from the rest of the NBA, and now it's Devontae Graham's turn, but in the meantime, the Hornets lose a few games that will improve their draft stock. But if Graham were able you know, to maintain that pace, I think it would have given him a little hope, but I feel like all of these all-star bids are a half year behind. So if Devontae Graham recovers this season and, and starts to pick that production back up, the next season... You've got that thought in people's heads now. People associate Devontae Graham, really good scorer. Possibly all-star level scorer. And so then if he comes in the next season and starts to put that production together again, then the same coaching staffs that are making those adjustments are all, of a, are, are all of a sudden going to be more inclined to talk about him in the all-star echelon. So, don't think Devontae Graham's going to get an all-star bid. A lot of guards in the East right now playing well. Kyle Lowry's playing a lot better. You, know, you got Brad Beal in there. You got Kimball Walker. And it's just a ton of great guard play right now. It's going to be tough. Malcolm Brogdon. So, let's dig into some of these scoring numbers from Cleaning the Glass. Really, what this all comes down to is the Hornets, when they were winning basketball games, they were a team that had above-average three-point shooters. 
and you had several players that had an above average points per shot attempt because those three point shots were falling, and they turned the but they turned the ball over a lot. And right now, the Hornets are a team of average to below average scores who are actually not turning the ball over as much. Sometimes they don't move the ball as effectively, but they're also just generally not hitting shots. Right now, Devontae Graham, Terry Rozier, Miles Bridges, and even PJ Washington are all right now sitting at average scoring marks, points per shot attempt for their positions according to cleaning the glass. Malik Monk is a below average scorer due to the fact that he cannot hit a three-point shot. He just can't. I mean, bottom line, he's attempting them. He's trying them. He's getting open looks. He had a few open looks in the corner against Boston. Missed him. One of seven from the field. Surprisingly, the most effective scorers for their position this year have been Cody Zeller and Bismack Biombo. And Biombo's not turning the basketball over. He's tur- There's a reason why he's starting. I mean, Zeller, I think, is an important part of this basketball team, but I think the reason why Biombo is starting is because it gives you a little something in terms of physicality, strength underneath, but also he's been effective as a pick-and-roll player. He hasn't been unplayable offensively. The Bismack Biombo of old was unplayable offensively. By the way, yesterday we did our moments of the decade for the Charlotte Hornets, and I can't. I made the a most the most egregious omission, egregious, not egregious, egregious omission, and it was due to the fact that kind of behind the scenes, Walker Mail dropped this segment in my lap about. 10 minutes before we went on the air. Something you kind of could have brought up as something we wanted to do maybe the day before. But instead, it was 10 minutes before air, so I was scrambling to figure out some funny answers, to figure out what I actually believed were the moments of the decade for the Charlotte Hornets franchise, and I left out Bismack Biombo hitting the Eurostep in Memphis all the way back in 2014. I actually have pictures from that game that I attended where I saw Bismack Biombo hit his first Euro step, not his only. He would follow that up this season with a pretty amazing Euro step. But I saw the first one, and it was magical. It was beautiful. I think it was more beautiful because no one seems to remember it. There are only a few of us out there, these chosen few, that remember it. Okay, so I've got that out of the way. I got that that omission that's not an omission anymore, moment of the decade, I would put it, I don't know if it's top five for me, but it's damn close. Maybe sixth. We'll say sixth, moment of the decade, Bismack Biombo hitting the Eurostep. Let's get back to some cleaning the glass statistics. Efficiency differential. Okay, what does that mean? How many points do the Hornets score versus how many points do they give up when a certain player is on the floor? It's a good indicator of the effect that a player is having. Now, There are a lot of factors that go into that, right? Because you're playing with four other guys. But generally, it can tell us who's making the team better and who's struggling. Right now, Graham, Devontae Graham, no surprise, plus 15.5. He leads the team. But close behind him, Cody Martin, 11.9. Rick Bunnell, Charlotte Observer, wrote about this. He is, Cody Martin is a factor. Defensively, hustle, he gives you things that save possessions. The more possessions you have, the more likely it is that, that you can, especially a bad offensive team, like you give that bad offensive team a few extra possessions and suddenly they're a mediocre offensive team. 
And Cody Martin does that for you. He adds possessions. Miles Bridges by far the worst at negative 20. This is not, I mean, I'm just, it's tough because I think I wanted great things for Miles Bridges. And maybe those things are still to come. But right now he's looking more Malik Monk and less PJ Washington. That's just, that's the deal. How about some team statistics? Here are a couple of things the Hornets are actually doing well. Offensive rebounding themselves, they're doing that well. And they are actually a decent team at getting back in transition off live rebounds this season, which is kind of tough to do when you're crashing the offensive glass. But they've had good, uh, they've had good offensive rebounding from Zeller, Biombo, um, Rozier has been an offensive rebounding threat. He kind of gets in there and, and flies towards the rim and snags a few that you maybe wouldn't expect him to snag. They're good at turning the other team over, ninth in turnover percentage on defense. But they've turned the ball over a lot. They don't foul very often, which could be because they aren't guarding physically enough, but it is something. You know, you got to take these things that you build on in 2020. I hope you have a fantastic 2020. I know this show will. We're entering our seventh year on the air in some form. We used to be Hive Talk Live. Before that, we were podcasts. We talked about the Panthers and the Bobcats. Then we went to Hive Talk Live, and now with the Locked On Podcast Network, we are Locked On Hornets. And I'm looking forward to a fantastic 2020 for this show. If you want more of us, by the way, join our Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash L-O-H. David Walker and I are doing a show called Let the Boys Watch. We talk about the Hornets. We talk about the NBA. We talk about what we're watching on television, including Star Wars, Mandalorian. I think I want to do a Fast and the Furious, not a rewatch. I've never seen any of the movies. And David Walker is an expert, so I think there could be a cool thing there where, like, the rookie and the veteran discuss the seminal franchise of our time. Not Star Wars, not James Bond, but Fast and the Furious. That thing won't die. They're going to be making Fast and the Furious movies for my grandchildren. Thanks so much for listening. Uh, This has been a great show. I'm Doug Branson. Walker Mail will be back with me tomorrow to talk more about the Charlotte Hornets. Go Hornets. Go America. Let's swarm Charlotte.